damn, let's talk some shit. It's Polly Siegel and Victoria Aaron, two licensed therapists who've spent way too much money on degrees, certifications, and trainings. Mm. We both love what we do and couldn't imagine working in any other profession, but we're forced to be serious all the time, and that gets boring. Shit Talking Shrinks discusses important mental health topics, the human experience, and society at large, while poking fun along the way. It won't be all fun and games because after every episode, you'll walk away with tangible tools to navigate life more effectively. We love a tangible tool. This episode is sponsored by Joyous. Okay, I have to tell you about this incredible company, Joyous. It's an at-home ketamine treatment that delivers ketamine to your door for $129 a month, which is absolutely unheard of because most ketamine treatment is hella expensive. And what ketamine does is it helps our prefrontal cortex work more optimally. And the prefrontal cortex helps with decision-making, problem-solving, emotional regulation. It's the part of the brain that gets us through hard shit. And so if you're someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression and you've tried antidepressants or you've tried mood stabilizers and they haven't helped, ketamine is absolutely the next step. And I have seen my clients thrive while using ketamine. Joyous makes it super easy to access this life-changing medicine, and you can start the process by visiting www.joyous.team. We have an incredible guest today, Karen Ross, who is a licensed clinical social worker and does a lot of incredible work in the art space and has really helped, honestly, the Chicago therapy community better connect. She created a listserv that allows all of us to network and be able to find referrals and help people get really solid care. So I know I'm very thankful for the community that you've created for all of us Chicago therapists. And we're so happy to have you. Thank you for the nice introduction. And I'm really happy to be here. Yay. So the topic today is art and how art can be so therapeutic, can be transformative, allows people to move through their emotions and be just a general coping skill when we face challenges and adversity. And and I think art is oftentimes missed as a coping skill because people get so caught up in, well, I'm not artistic or I don't know how to draw. And there's so much pressure around art in this perfectionistic way. When I think if we kind of surrendered and let go of all of like the perfectionism, art can be so incredible for us. And I'm hoping you can kind of share about that. Yeah, I love that you specifically honed in on the piece about, you know, perfection and imperfection. Actually, it's really ironic because the painting that's like right behind me that you can see. It says imperfect. But it says imperfect, I'm perfect. That's a big thing with me because... I feel that the most beautiful work I've done has been the most imperfect work in terms of, you know, my art practice. And I want to like really lean into that for myself because a person just kind of dipping their toe into art feels that anxiety that it's not going to be good enough or it's not perfect or I messed up that line or it doesn't look realistic. And you have to work towards, you know, ignoring that noise. In terms of art being a healing thing, it's really more about the process than it is the final product. And isn't that life, Karen? Yes. It really is. It's like, it's about the journey. It's about the action, not about the destination, not about where we end up. It's like how we fucking get there. Yeah. And it's messy and it's shitty and 
Um, You go through the ugly phase before you get to the beauty phase. There's just a lot that happens, but, and there are opportunities to redo it and change it. It's all of that. Yes. You know, it's so interesting too. I was like, when you just said that, like you go through the ugly phase, like I was not an attractive kid. And, you know, I'm like peaking right now. I'm at my most attractive that I've ever been. I doubt that, but okay. No, I promise. I promise, Karen, I wouldn't lie to you. And so it's like so fun because like, I feel like I can appreciate where I am now so much more because of like, what the fuck I looked like. And I'm like, yo, this is so great. (laughs) This is the best. And on the other hand, I feel like I peaked when I was 20 and it's only going downhill. So so the art is getting worse and worse. It's not a fine wine. No, that's why we have Botox, baby. <laughs> True. Well, and it's funny because, you know, I we have a bunch of teenagers and it's like when I see other teenage jiggly girls and I'm just like, oh my God, she has no idea how beautiful she is. She probably better enjoy that skin and that body while she still has it. <laughs> So tell us, how has art been transformative for you in terms of just health, wellness, and, you know, getting through the hardship that life brings us? Well, you know, it's been a really long journey for me. I've always been a really creative person since I was little. And I was always, you know, if there was an opportunity to do something creative in relation to whatever, you know, if I was in school or camp or an activity, like I wanted to be the one who made the t-shirt for the team or help decorate that board that they were, you know, doing fast forward, you know, education, life, everything kind of gets more prominent than, you know, your creative stuff. I had been painting little crafty things like little decorative boxes and stuff like that, but I wanted to do like visual art. I wanted art you could hang on the wall. So I started painting with acrylic and, you know, messing around with all that and doing mixed media and collage. Shortly after that, I discovered this form of painting called encaustic painting, which is an ancient art form, actually. And it's painting with uh, molten wax. Oh, cool. My studio looks like a meth lab. Oh, hell yeah. I've got a blowtorch. I've got griddles and pots of wax and I have a ventilation system. I mean, it's legit a meth lab. (laughs) I'm obsessed. See, suburban life can be cool. There's nothing cooler than a meth lab that's actually wax art. Yes. So rewinding that, that's my current thing that I'm doing now. But back in those earlier 2000 days, I ended up learning about this art form at the same time that I was getting separated from my first husband. It was the most cathartic, therapeutic. It was such a wonderful thing to have available to me that helped me move through an extremely difficult phase in my life. At the time, I didn't have the meth lab and I was in my garage painting because I needed the ventilation. It's really important in this type of work. I was in my garage for hours. In full honesty, it helped me avoid a lot of things too. You know, I didn't have to see the guy who was about to move out and I could just be in the garage and do my thing. It's really fascinating to see the evolution of that healing journey for myself. I hate the word journey, by the way. So I don't know why I just said it. (laughs) Oh, because I said it earlier. It's in your brain. I look at even 
the art itself, you know, my mom is a really big fan of my art and she always talks about the evolution of the art and how it's actually in those earlier days when I was separated slash getting divorced, that art was really dark. It was really earthy. It was really moody. I mean, granted, there were certain trends back then that kind of lent, you know, to that. But over time, as my life evolved, the art got happier, brighter, more joyful. And so, and I really think the work that you're doing is really reflecting, you know, where you're at emotionally. How do you feel like if someone wanted to use art as a coping mechanism or a way to work through tough emotions, where would they start? Like if you could give us like a jumping point. So many people who, you know, comment to me about my art, I always hear this line. They say, well, I'm not really creative. I'm not creative. I don't know how you do that. And I always say that every person, believe it or not, I think that every person is creative. Yes, I agree. Yeah. It may not be specifically with a paintbrush or a pencil, but if I do a little more digging and ask questions, you find out that they're really into gardening. They're into scrapbooking. They're into cooking. I think cooking is a really creative endeavor. And so I think it's important that people kind of expand their idea of what being creative means. Like maybe you cook a meal and you serve it in the most beautiful way. Your presentation is gorgeous and it's, you know, Insta-worthy because you take a picture. That is creativity right there. I would urge people to tap into, you know, what is it that I do or make? What do I make that gave me that feeling that, you know, I want to repeat that. I want to make more of those things that I make. And I think that is a good launching point for people. And sometimes that might lead into a different art form because let's say you like to bake and then all of a sudden you you're baking cookies and you start decorating the cookies and the decoration of the cookies steps up a notch. And, you know, now you're like pimping out your cookies and they're like really cool. And now people want to buy them. (laughs) So it's like, just start with something that brings joy or start with something that feels like it brings some yumminess. And then like, you can continue to expand and, and add more to that practice. Yeah. And expand your idea of what you think being creative means. I really think people are so tunnel vision. They just think creative means you're an artist. No, that doesn't mean that. It just means that you express yourself in an alternate form. That's really what it means. Karen, do you ever listen to Abraham Hicks? Yes. This is what it reminds me of, like being a co-creator, like we're all creators and like, it's really cool. Like I was thinking about, I'm very visual. So I'm like thinking about like one of your worlds dissolving, right? Like this marriage is dissolving and and then like you're creating an entire new world through this coping mechanism, but it's becoming so much more than that. And it sounds like even the way you said it, like, and then you met your now husband and you were able to make this world together. It's like, you just moved through this trauma by making something. And, you know, when I first started making it, it wasn't about selling it. It was just about like, wow, this is so cool. And this feels so good to make. And I'm just making them and they're just kind of multiplying like gremlins. And I started off with these really tiny, I paint on wood, by the way, because wax needs like a stronger substrate to soak into 
because a canvas, it would just sink down into a canvas. So I paint on wood. So I was using these little scrap wood blocks and painting on them. And now, I mean, you see the piece behind me. That's with wax? That's wax. That's all wax. So you have to see it in person because the texture and vibrancy is, um, it's really something. And you can take a cloth and buff it and it becomes really shiny. You have to see it in person. I tell everybody that. And it isn't until they see it in person that they're like, oh, I get it. This is really different. Yeah, no, I need to come to your your mansion and check it out. Please come to my studio. Yes, your I love it. Ventilated meth lab. In my meth lab. Yes. <laughs> so we're all about tangible tools. If someone wanted to start using art, and as you've defined it, that could be baking, that could be actually doing something you know, with paint, pen, there's so many ways to practice. How would you advise someone who wants to start using art for therapeutic benefit? There are different directions you can take. Like, for example, there's a very famous book called The Artist Way, which a lot of people have used therapeutically. And it's a series of exercises. I never really got through the whole thing, but it's always been a recommended book where you do the practice over a series of kind of exercises where they're meant to loosen you up and explore and just play. It's really about play. So have fun. Yeah. Having fun. Yeah. I mean, I think again, like not to make this like a Abraham Hicks podcast, but it's like, you know, what she talks about, right? Is like, we deserve joy. We deserve abundance. Like that's where source wants us to be. And it's like life. I think you said this earlier, like it can be shitty. Like we all know that, right? Things happen that make it shitty. And so what's more fun than like sticking my hand in a bunch of paint and like just smearing it on something, you know, or just like melting a bunch of wax and like getting into it. Yeah. Just see what happens. And speaking to that shitty part is that some of the stuff I've made that is so shitty <laughs> is some of the stuff that people like the best. I'm sure because they can relate. Oh my gosh. I've had paintings that like I was embarrassed to show my husband some paintings because I thought they were so bad. And he would be like, well, what's that over there? And I'm like, oh, you don't want to see that. And he's like, well, let me just see it. And I show it to him and he's like, that's so cool. And I'm like, Really? And then like, you know, two weeks later, someone buys it. And I'm just like, what happened? But again, this is your perspective of what shitty is not someone else's shitty. And I've made pieces before where I'm like, what happened? What was that? Where did that come from? And like, how did that emerge? And why did I do that? I see there's all these conscious and unconscious processes that are happening while you're getting into your flow, which is also a really big part of this is finding that flow where you are, you know, like I said before, that there's no noise. You're just immersed in what you're doing. And it's really just about that process. And I think the other piece to it is anyone who wants to start using art or creation as a form of well-being and practice is leave perfectionism at the door. Like it doesn't matter what the outcome looks like or what the art or what the cookies with the icing end up as it, that truly doesn't matter. It's the process of like by creating and by 
just being abstract and engaging different parts of the brain that don't maybe normally get activation through our normal life is inherently valuable. It's also like very intuitive. Like I think about at the beginning of last summer, I was at a networking event where we did an art therapy thing. There's a bunch of clinicians doing this. And I did all this stuff and there was like a mountain peak and a book page and I circled all these words that were like powerful and expressive and loud. And then like I drew a sunflower and then like my life after that point, I really do feel like I'm currently peaking and like not just the way I look, but just in so many arenas. And it's like, it felt intuitive. I look back at that piece of paper and I'm like, holy shit, like this is what it is. Like I actually tapped into something that I didn't even know I had really at that point because I was in such a bad place and it expressed itself on the page. I love that. And I love that you can look back on that period and like you have this relic. This was me when, and you can look at some of these things around you, just like if you had a child, you know, in elementary school that, you know, made you art and brought it to you. And then you look back on it and they're, you know, teenagers now. And I'm just like, oh, this was him when you just get a taste of that person in that moment. When I was a teen, I used to like when I would feel these intense emotions, I would draw. My mom has paintings. They're funny to look back on that are like hung up on the wall. Art was a really big part of my life when I was dealing with intense anxiety. As we're just working through this together on this episode, I'm like, what happened to my inner artiste? Yeah, wait, I was going to ask, do you still draw, Polly? No. And that's the sad part is like, I don't. And it was so helpful to me growing up because I was a very anxious teen. So this is inspiration that like, forget about how it turns out and whether it's pretty or good, but just let those emotions come to life on paper or come to life in your baking and cooking. Like there's so much yuck that we carry day in and day out. And if we can like use that yuck in art form to really work through it and experience it in a different way, I think that's magical. It is. And you have that, like you just expressed that, like you have that inside you. It's dormant. As you go through life, like I said to you, there were periods of my life where I was doing creative things. And then I was, you know, doing other things. And then I got back to creative things. And it it may ebb and flow in your life, but it's there and it doesn't leave. It's a part of who you are. So when you come to the day when you're ready to like, you know, dip that brush into paint, it's going to be there. Yeah, actually. So I ended up, I was up like way too late and I've been really into resin art you know how people are making resin, epoxy, and amazing tables. And anyways, I've been fascinated by it. So I bought my first resin kit where I'm going to make a tray and I got different colors. So this is, it's happening. You're living a tangible tool, Polly. We're doing what we say other people should do. Absolutely. Like everyone who's listening today, like pick up some sort of art form, like fucking try it. See if it helps you move through. Yuck. And if something is like speaking to you or whispering to you, like in the same vein that like when you saw that resin art and you're just like, it's so cool. Like, oh my gosh, that looks so fun. Like, that's so cool. And you could just sit there and admire it all day. But like you bought the kit. 
you need to like, as Abraham Hicks says, touch it, feel it, taste it, you know, lick it. Well, don't lick resin, but (laughs) I would, I would lick resin for sure. (laughs) I've worked with resin. I'm not going to lie. It's very challenging to work with it because of the time and the, you know, the mixing ratios and all that stuff. There's a little science to it. It's messy. It's fun. And the results are always, they're always interesting, you know, whether you get it right or not. It's just cool that you created this tangible thing that didn't exist before. So I love that you did that. Yeah. It's sitting in the other room right now. So, and just to what you were saying earlier, like if something speaks to you, like listen to that voice. And, you know, when I discovered this encaustic process, I was on YouTube watching abstract acrylic painters. I love watching people paint on YouTube and on the suggestion box of videos, it said encaustic painting. And I remember thinking, well, I've heard that word. I don't know what it is. I want to see it. So I click on it and I kid you not, this was like 2008. I see this and I'm like, what do I need? And when can I start? I just knew that I had to go seek the materials because they're not really easy to find. I need to get these materials. I need to do this immediately. And I didn't know why. Like, why do I want to paint with wax? I don't know, but I had to. It was like, this has to go down. We're doing it. And so I went and I got the materials and I started tinkering around with it. And then I needed to like do more with it and more with it. And it just grew and grew and grew. That's how these things are born. So as we wrap up, it's like to our listeners, right? Art awakens your inner explorer. So go explore, bitches. Yes, explore that. Yes. Karen, thank you for joining us and reminding everyone that art is power and art is transformative and magical. And just do it. If you've been thinking about doing arts and crafts, go fucking do it. Thank you for having me and let me spread that message. (laughs) Yes, it's a good message. Big, big love. Big, big love. We'll catch you later. 